Welcome back to Feature Presentation. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. This is the flagship podcast of FeaturePresentationVideo.com. This is the podcast that we do whenever we have something to talk about. Um, a lot recently, it's been our spinoff show, Two New Bombshells, where we talk about reality TV. We've recapped um, both summer seasons of Love Island this summer. We are currently in the midst of Love is Blind on Netflix right now. But every October for this podcast, we do double features, and we didn't want to just go from two new bombshells to the spooky double features. We wanted to kind of sneak in one regular episode, um, and so that's what this episode is. What Patrick means to say is um, I basically told him we had to do this episode. Um, he, we, we actually bartered. I can't remember what it was, um, but he asked me to write an article for something that I wasn't really feeling, and I was like, I will do this for you if instead of that article we do a double on Cha-Cha Real Smooth and um, Shithouse. Uh, so here we are. <laughs> here we are. Um, a little bit of this episode, and at the end of this episode, by the way, we're going to talk about um, our plans for – Halloween double features, um, so stay tuned for that. Um, a little bit of this episode is some atonement for me and Cooper Rafe because we did our um, best of 2022 episode back in January, and I want to say you put Cha Cha Real Smooth number one, maybe number two? I believe that it was number one, and it was a shock for me because I didn't know anything about this movie, to be quite honest honest and just like really putting it all out there I think in my head I thought that cha-cha real smooth was the worst person in the world I think that like I just got them a little bit mixed up like it's just like the the white woman with bangs effect um and so in my head I think that's what I thought it was and I had seen a lot of like press for that show and so in December every year Patrick and I kind of do a mad dash where we go through our um, like lists of things we still want to see in order to round out. Our... I think any culture critic of any kind does that in December and January. Yeah, but in case you're like a you know a uh, uh, two new bombshells watcher and don't know what culture critics do, um, to bring it down to earth for you for a second, um, we do a mad dash and say like, what do we need to watch to feel like we can with good judgment say what our favorites of the year are? And I said I really want to watch Cha Cha Real Smooth, and it was like right down to the wire. I think at the end of December last year, and um, it ended up being my number one and that was objective it was not due to recency bias i fucking loved cha-cha real smooth and so um it was a real shock for me and i immediately was like i want to watch everything that this guy does uh but you didn't you didn't feel exactly the same way no i didn't it did not make my top 10 and in fact i pushed back a little bit and i said this script seems a little too convenient he's obviously a very cute quirky fellow and he has good morals and he's written a script where he's very cute and very quirky and very likable and you can't help but kind of goo goo gaga over him and he does all of the right things and and when he screws up he fixes it and it just felt kind of too easy for me um and i kind of just felt like he was writing a script where he was getting to be um the hero and that kind of didn't sit right with me but i said at the time and i wrote this in my letterbox review so i i have the proof that i said i'm intrigued though i feel like maybe that's just this project and i would like to see his other stuff now unfortunately he's so early on in his career he's only made one other feature-length film shithouse we're going to break down both of these films in a minute but 
a couple weeks later, we watched Shithouse, rented it from the video store, and I was like, okay. I was like, kind of right. And my kind of right is, I have problems with the cha-cha real smooth script because I think he's writing himself to be a hero and writing himself to be, you know, moral good. But in Shithouse, I see the humanity in his work. I see the reality in his work. I see, like, the real true feelings. And so I, I much prefer Shithouse over Cha-Cha Real Smooth because he's significantly – the character that he plays is significantly more unlikable. He's not unlikable really at all, but he is much more so than the Cha-Cha Real Smooth character. So he just seems like more of a regular human being. Uh, he's really cringy. He's he makes a lot of mistakes, and he doesn't know how to talk to people. He doesn't know how to talk to girls. And I went, okay, that's that's what I saw. I just didn't see it in that other script. If that all makes sense. But it did cha cha real smooth when we rewatched it recently. It did land better for you, correct? It did. I, when I when I went like, okay, now I know this guy's vibe. I know what he's doing. We we rewatched both films for this double. And I went, okay, I see it. I see what he's, what he's got going on here. I still prefer Shithouse, um, but I, I get the vibe now. I think if it's okay with you, I would like to go out of chronological order and talk about Cha-Cha first, because that is where we started with Cooper Rave. But is that going to, like, really... No, that's fine. We'll just talk about him a little bit, I guess. Um, he is 26 years old. <laughs> a baby. And uh, we are 26. I'm 26 years old. Um, I'm not. <laughs> and so it makes me feel like I haven't done anything with my life. And um, he makes a short film uh, when he's in college. It's called Madeline and Cooper, um, which is basically Shithouse 1.0. He uploads it to YouTube. It gets some buzz, and he gets the opportunity to make Shithouse a feature-length film on a budget of 15000 thousand dollars he makes you know, fifteen thousand dollars he makes this movie that is just the camera and it's not even a good camera um that movie um uh is a hit he gets the opportunity to make uh cha-cha real smooth which plays at sundance and gets purchased by apple tv plus for 15 million dollars Whoa. Yes. So within the course of five years, he's making one movie for $15,000 and then selling another for $15 million. It is unfortunate that um, Cha Cha Real Smooth only exists on Apple TV+. Apparently, a lot of people have this service. I find it difficult to believe. I know that everybody watches Ted Lasso, but I also feel like, why would you – like, do people just, like – keep it when Ted Lasso isn't on like what what good does Apple TV do I don't understand so if you're one of those people that doesn't have it it's like worth the $9.99 month or whatever it is just for like this one watch I think um it's worth getting but yeah it only lives there um so yeah I know you want to talk about it yeah so it's funny it's funny because I definitely think like I'm I am not hype hyperbolizing here when I say that cha-cha real smooth my first watch of that like kind of changed my life like it was a full-on like that's all I thought about for the next week it changed how I look at films script writing direction acting like it really was like a pivotal moment for me and it like 
touched me in a way that like no film really has since and and it was really like just truly life-changing for me um it's and it's funny because you know it landed better for you on the second watch and i think shit house actually landed better for me on the second watch cha-cha did not actually hit as as hard as it did on the second watch as it did for me on the first one i think just because i know the story so i'm not gonna like gaslight myself into into invalidating how i felt the first go around but yeah shit house definitely landed better for me on the second watch um so we had like very opposite experiences I think, like, I'm not even, like, so as soon as the movie starts and you meet Cooper Rafe's character of, let me pull it up. I actually had the shit house. I wanted to read the um, letterbox description if you want me to do that anyway. Fresh out of college and stuck at his New Jersey home without a clear path forward, 22-year-old Andrew begins working as a party starter for bar mitzvahs, where he strikes up a unique friendship with a young mom and her teenage daughter. Yes, great synopsis, nothing really to add. I don't know what else you would write, but sure. What do you mean? That is the one-sentence synopsis of the movie, yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, sometimes I feel like, oh, that only scratches the surface or something. I'm saying, like, that's a good synopsis. <coughs> what do you mean? On on our other projects, we have we have torn apart some synopsis. No, I'm saying for this movie, there's no other one-sentence synopsis. Like, it is, it can be distilled down to one sentence. Yes, so anyways... As soon as you may meet Cooper Rafe's character, Andrew, my first immediate thought as the president, capital P, president of the Nat Wolf fan club, I went like, why, why do people cast themselves in things? I think it's a little bit annoying. Why isn't Nat Wolf in this? He seems like a Cooper Rafe adjacent person. I said that to you. I was like, I was like, this seems like perfect for Nat Wolf. And about 15 minutes in, I went like, oh, nobody can do this other than this guy. That's so interesting. Like, literally no one can do it. Because not only is it him in a very, like, human, raw way, but it is also him in just, like, a stylistic way. Like, he he could never direct people to be the way that this character needs to be because it is so deeply and innately him. So, uh, this cast is, um, really, really fantastic. Um, you have Dakota Johnson, who I have never actually seen a Dakota Johnson film until Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Uh, I am not familiar with her work at all in terms of having seen it. Obviously, I know of things. So, this was, like, a blank, a blank slate for me. Um, so, uh, you know, we have... Cooper Rave, Dakota Johnson, who plays Domino, uh, the mother of the teen daughter. The teen daughter is played by Vanessa Burghardt. Uh, her, she plays the character Lola. She is incredible. She really is just an absolute powerhouse. This is her only film credit, and she is um, just so vibrant on screen, I feel like, despite playing a character that is objectively maybe not vibrant in a lot of ways. Um, she's very shy. She's very timid. She's very meek. She has autism and she's just, um, very close. She keeps to herself. She's very closed off. She deals with bullying. So she's just very secluded and something that's special about this relationship that Andrew sparks up with Domino and Lola is that he is able to break down Lola's walls in a way that nobody else has been able to except for Domino. So um, then you have Evan Asante, who plays his little brother. I don't know him from literally anything else, but he's so freaking cute. Um, And then we have the real star of the show. I'm just kidding, but kind of not. Um, Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann is 
just perfect. I love her. There is, like, no one, the Apatow family and legacy, like, no one is more deserving of, like, nepotism fame. Like, they can do no wrong to me. Like, Maude, go sing Audrey, baby. Like, go on Broadway. Like, we, we actually saw her on Broadway. Um, she just finished at the Kit Kat Club in London, um as Sally Bowles, which I actually think is probably a really good role for her, considering Sally is, like, meant... Uh, oh, what did I say? You called it the Kit Kat Club. Oh, well, anyways, the Kit Kat Club in Cabaret. Um, she played Sally Bowles, and um, uh, I actually think that might be a good role for her in terms of, like, the history of that role, and it Sally Bowles being no. a character that can't, like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, I love the Apatow family. Leslie Mann, it can just... I hate to reduce women and like female actresses um to just being moms because women can play more than just being mothers and women can be more than just be mothers um however leslie mann was born to play a mom like she really was this isn't to discredit her other work but you see her in something like blockers with which patrick and i will literally write home about all day we think it's so good and so funny and deserves way more credit than it got um, and she's she's being like a funny mom. It's a comedy. But she approaches motherhood in some of the most tender and human ways I have ever seen. She has this ability to just like she has like a mother's gaze. She has a mother's tone. She has a mother's aura. Like she doesn't need to be speaking or doing anything particularly motherly and she just has this warmth that radiates off of her well she's got that smile right yes god god i love her and you like you don't want to let her down no (laughs) no you know like there are a couple times where he does some things in this movie that um they're not bad but they're just kind of like i don't know he's just a 22 year old slouch who doesn't have his life together and he when he doesn't have his life together you you go like but don't disappoint your mom you know yeah like there's a moment where um and i i think that this this is so brilliant and like perfectly written because it's it's actually written very it's not subtle like we know what's happening but it's not like it doesn't need to be a long conversation um andrew has a situationship who just moved to i believe barcelona um and uh he is like it, to himself, he's like, well, actually, yeah, I think Barcelona is a great place for me. No, no, no. It has nothing to do with her. It's just, uh, you know, oh, I've always wanted to go there, blah, blah, blah. And he's working at Hot Dog on a Stick to, like, save his Barcelona money. Yeah, and so, um, you know, le- he has this, like, beautiful, just, like, so, I can't say anywhere other than tender, because that's just, like, really the word that comes to mind. He has this beautiful, tender conversation with, um, with Leslie Mann. And he says, like, yeah, you know, um, saving for Barcelona might not be here much longer. And she goes, like, mm-hmm. And you think that that's, like, a completely unique idea to you that you made? And he's, like, yeah. What? No, you think this is about Maya? No, 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 no. It's not about Maya at all. It's about me. I've always wanted to go there. And she just looks at him with this mother look of like you are such a baby and you have your whole life ahead of you and i love you but you drive me crazy and i am actively like you can see the gears in her head turning like a mom does where you're going like is this a is this a teachable moment that he has to learn for himself or do i need to step in and like there are so many moments like that and so she just she is just able to tap in to the complex nuances of motherhood like no 
other actress I've ever seen. And again, we see that in Blockers, which is a comedy. So, like, it isn't just, like, this role. It's not written to be this way. She is just that good. So, like, I really just can't talk about Cha-Cha Real Smooth without giving credit where credit is due to, to my queen, Leslie Mann. And then you've got Brad Garrett as the shithead stepdad. Greg. <laughs> Greg, which is somebody who, who Cooper Rafe cooper race character just despises yeah and it's very like um that's another like kind of nuanced thing is like you know we there is the trope of like the son hates the stepdad he thinks he's kind of a dick you're young you're pompous you think you're better but like the stepdad is just kind of a dick i mean obviously he wrote the script is kind of written from his character's perspective right but there's a lot of like uh, Brad Garrett's character will like say like are you ever going to grow up are you ever going to stop working a hot dog on a stick and his response will just be like that shitty teenage college student thing that's just like are you ever going to not be bald <laughs> it's not that shitty goes, but he just goes like I'm sorry we can't all just be you know boring accountants you know? yeah like just like random shit like that oh, shit, and um, he says it with such like conviction and like humor and like but also like honesty like it's it's really that dynamic i i really feel like um the the parental dynamic with andrew is definitely secondary to the relationship with domino which is which is at the forefront of this plot um but that's i think another part of like his brilliance is like he can have a a diverse and large amount of well thought out and well-written characters even when they're not the focus so like no no part gets left you know um untapped i want to come i want to come back to dakota johnson as well because i don't think i've ever seen a dakota johnson movie i'd have to check maybe one or two but this movie alone made me go oh i want to watch every movie she's ever made like i'll even watch those shitty 50 shades of gray movies like i want to watch every movie she's ever made unironically do want to see at least the first 50 shades of gray Uh-oh. i feel like it's like a cultural like moment that i missed out on i feel like i'm just like curious um yeah i'm curious not because um it's very sexy um no i'm just kidding but uh yeah i i agree i'm a total clown and i've seen like five uh dakota johnson movies peanut butter falcon is the big one she's also really really captivating in that movie but like i don't remember her in black mass that movie wounds was truly terrible so like i guess i saw her in 21 jump street which i don't don't remember remember and i don't remember her in the five-year engagement so i'm just gonna say i've never seen a dakota johnson she's also like way way down on the 21 jump street cast we've never seen the social network haven't seen the suspiria remake um so i really want to see bigger splash so we have some some um some blind sides for sure but blind spots excuse me um but yeah she's very very good in this movie i would like to address the fact that i still think that he writes his own character as the most heroic guy on the planet and the only reason why that doesn't play like ass is because he's so incredibly charming i disagree i like actually couldn't agree couldn't disagree more i think every he handles every situation perfectly okay. no he does not I'm, he's a mess i'm thinking but like publicly he, he doesn't have his own life together right but publicly he i'm thinking particularly about this situation in the bathroom and i don't want to spoil anything for this movie i am later on i'm going to spoil one moment in shit house which is just like necessary to our conversation but there's a, a moment where there's a situation in a bathroom and he comes up with the cutest most clever fix to this situation that is adorable and a cheerable moment and it's so perfect it bothers me 
Sure, I will give you that. It's very cinematic in that way in a very traditional kind of like rom-com way despite the situation itself being very dark and very sad. But um, I think in every other circumstance, he writes himself to be not okay so i mean i'm just gonna give it to you like it you know like it is you know he starts an intent he he falls head over heels in love with a married woman and totally gets away with it the husband okay i'm we're just gonna spoil some i'm sorry folks click hit the 30 second button like three times okay um the husband just is like cool with it he's like oh you're just a kid whatever he just totally fucking gets away with it. No, I don't I don't think it's that. I think that there is such a deep First of all, I don't think the husband is fully informed. I don't think he knows that Dakota Johnson, that Domino has kissed Andrew, that they have that they have touched bases. Like I, think I don't he think he knows enough. I I think that, you know, here's okay. Gosh, where do I begin? Here's what I think is really special about Domino, okay? I'm going to talk about what I think is beautiful about her character, and then I'm going to go back to how Cooper plays into that. You have one more minute of spoiler-free. I told him to hit the button three times. Okay. So Domino, I think something that's just so special about her is she, at a very young age, has a daughter who ends up being autistic. And in a lot of ways, she mourns her young life like she is deeply mourning but trying to be the best person that she can be and she is caught between this desire to live out these young fantasies and reality of needing to put herself and her family first and also craving stability and like yes there are things that are very attractive about that life that she's left behind but she also is um there are things that are very attractive about again stability and marriage and commitment and to be caught between those two worlds is something I feel like we don't see a lot we usually see one or the other someone completely you know like crumbles because they're trying to to be young again or someone is super hyper perfect in their relationship and committed and she's she's stuck in between these two worlds and Cooper Rafe you know Andrew reminds her of this time in her life and she envies him she she I think envies him and almost simultaneously pities him a little bit because he's so messed up and he has no commitments and he's like desperately trying to cling on to a commitment and she looks at him like he's this lost little puppy and she's like you don't even know how wonderful it is that that is how you are that you can get away with these things because you're just a dumb kid like do you know what it's like to be an adult and have your world change and have and have a child's weight on your shoulder and to have all of these moms looking at you and to not know what you want out of a marriage and like life gets so heavy and here you are getting drunk at work and people are laughing it off because they're your mom's friends, you're a party starter. You're a party starter for first, you know, for the first thing, you're a babysitter. You're you know, you are working at hot dog on a stick. You don't know what you're doing with your love life. You are, like, chasing a fantasy. You can't get a job. Like, he is, like, for all intents and purposes, completely floundering in his life. But even when he's floundering, he's still, like, awesome and perfect, though. Like, he has absolutely no business getting that, uh, and there's another spoiler. Click ahead if you need to. This might just end up being a spoiler episode. I'm sorry. He has absolutely no business getting that job. He bombs the interview he looks like an idiot he has no experience other than like 
being good at ki- being good with children as a party starter at these bar mitzvahs. Um, and then he just gets the job anyway because, like, of course he should. But again, I don't. You're sure you're right. He 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 gets in these situations and he gets off scot free. But I think I think like something that you're missing in that is like it's not easy because it wraps everything up in a bow. I think it comes from a a deeply human place of like again like pity like you're seeing it from his perspective this young person's perspective but he's written it in such a beautiful way that you can't help but see it from the adult's perspective who like truly feel bad for this kid but also are like so enamored by the fact that he is just trying his best I like have to say that like there is a heavy dose of optimism in this film there is a heavy dose of adults choosing to see the humanity in Andrew time and time again. Adults choosing to understand and empathize with the fact that he is floundering and he doesn't know what he's doing with his life. But he's clearly a sweet, kind, passionate, intelligent kid despite the chaos in his life right now. And so, yes, it is optimistic in the sense that some situations get tied up in a neat little bow. But I don't think that it paints Andrew in a perfect light. I think for all intents and purposes, it actually paints Andrew in a really complicated and complex light. But we again, we just have this lens of people choosing to to really empathize with him in those in those key pivotal moments in his life, which isn't always going to be true of people. But I think I don't think that it diminishes the ethos of the film by doing that in this instance i think he still manages to write and create this really complex and and beautifully (coughs) thought out world while having some moments where people are maybe a little overly empathetic or overly optimistic but it's never just for convenience it is it it is a, a decision for optimism that's what i believe um i hear what you're saying and i guess my counter would be the same thing happens in Shithouse, where, spoilers, at a certain point, you should just go watch this movie instead of listening to this episode. The The ending of Shithouse is, like, way too perfect. But for some reason, it doesn't bother me. Like, that absolutely should not be how that story ends. I agree. But he's just, like, so cute. And, like, you just root for him, and you root for them as a couple. And it, That's why it's so funny to me, I think, because... You say, like, he's more perfect in Cha-Cha Real Smooth and much more complicated in Shithouse. When I think objectively, he's way more perfect in Shithouse and way more complicated in Cha-Cha Smooth. He's like a total loner loser in in Shithouse. And I don't know, maybe that's because I felt like that at some point in college. I went to a college 3,000 miles away from where I I grew up and... um, he does a similar thing. He goes to school in, I think it's L.A., SoCal. It, yeah, in California. And he's from Texas, so he moves far away, and he doesn't know anybody. And he just spends, like, a lot of time alone. And he has this, like, shitty – this is freshman year. He has this shitty um, frat bro um, roommate who comes home drunk every night. And I had that same situation, right, a guy I couldn't stand. And – I, maybe I empathize with that guy more. I don't know. You know, the phone calls home because that's just like he like makes up friends. The person you talk to, you know, the that day. Um, but he's all of like the worst parts of that. I think manifest like 
sending like a million Instagram DMs. Like that is crazy. To a girl that he likes for some context. Right. That is that is insanity, you know. And um and he kind of treats her like crap in 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 their conversation and I don't know, they don't really have a good interaction. They, it has good moments, but overall it's not very good. Um but for whatever reason it's redeeming and i just i personally feel apparently we have we very clearly have different sensibilities about this that in cha cha real smooth even when he fails he's awesome he's still even when he's he's the best big brother ever and when he does have that one moment where he's a bad big brother the next day he apologizes and they cry over it together and i do think that that's a touching moment in fact it is a i don't want to downplay that moment i think it's a touching moment in the movie i think it's one of the best moments in the movie um, but, like, even when he screws up, he, like, immediately fixes it perfectly. I mean, but in that same vein, like, when you're, you mentioned morality at the beginning of this. And, like, let's think about his morals in Cha-Cha Real Smooth. He, like I said, gets drunk on the job, instigates a, a multi-person fist fight at someone's bat mitzvah. Standing up for someone who's being bullied because he's an awesome hero. Yes, of course, but he's still working. He's, like... N- proving not to be a trustworthy employee. Yeah, but he doesn't care about the money because it's about standing up for what's right. Which I get. Um, uh, He is, again, cheating on a married woman, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, he is... Uh, Helping a married woman cheat, or whatever you want to put it. Yeah, he's the other person. Whatever the phrase She's engaged, I guess. She's not married um, at this point. She's, She's engaged to be married, and she is having this fling with him that he's unsure about but eventually consents to briefly um and so like he is objectively immoral in a lot of ways in that movie but i feel like in shithouse the daniel galula who plays um oh my goodness i have the wrong movie up on letterbox uh daniel galula who plays maggie talk about a complex character talk about an anti-hero she has a lot of things going on with with her and emotionally she is very emotionally unavailable she blows very hot and cold well she's emotionally unavailable like when it's convenient for her like she will like like dive into her entire life story and tell things that she's never told anyone before and then turn it off immediately and then just be completely rude and disrespectful and pretend that she doesn't know Cooper or or, or um but that's just how people are in college though like not to like defend this fictional character, but like people are like that in college. Like they're just like weird and you know them for five seconds and then you never talk to them again. That's why it's weird. Spoiler at a certain point, just stop listening to this episode. That's why it's kind of weird that they end up together because everyone has like a dozen of those interactions when they're in college. And I don't mean to the extent of, you know, all the things that they do together, you know, um, all of the emotional and physical moments that they share, but there are a million people in your college life that you just like know really intimately in whatever way, whether that's, you know, you're uh, in the same fraternity or you're on the same sports team or, or whatever it is you work on a play together. And then you just like never think about them ever again. That's just like kind of how it works. Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of how life works, but I understand that like college is kind of a hub for that because you're there for like a fleeting moment. Um, but regardless, I think that, that Maggie is very, um, I don't know, very complicated. And I feel like if you want to, again, get into morality, 
Cooper is, you know, he plays a character named Alex. Alex is standing there. Yes, does he kind of undermine her at times? It's clear that he doesn't, like, maybe pick up on every social cue he should. He doesn't, um, like, understand the dynamics of modern dating and, you know, whatever. And, like, that's awkward. But that aside, like, you know, he is, like, trying to get her to be vulnerable. He's trying to get him, her to trust him. Sorry about the ambulance. Yeah, sorry about the ambulance. Um, he's <coughs> trying to break her out of her shell. He's trying to, you know, like, uncover the things that are going on inside her brain and make her a better person beca- because of it. He's, like, try- he's healing his own trauma, like, in what seems to be, like, a, a somewhat effortless way. Like, I think that that movie, if anything, like, shows him as the moral compass way more than Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Uh, that's this, this is very interesting because I just disagree completely. I think at a certain point, like it sounds like I'm shitting on these movies. I think that they're both very good. I think Shit House clearly, I think, is a lot better. Um, but like the last point I want to bring up in my in my um, cha cha real smooth point is like yes, there's a moment where a giant fight starts and he instigates it, and a bunch of people end up with black eyes at this bar mitzvah, and it's really inappropriate and. And it was, it's a nightmare, right? But what does it do? It bonds his family. Because everyone in his family threw a punch. And they go, ah, <laughs> what a great right hook stepdad who I normally hate. And they all kind of chuckle about it in the car on the way home. I think that's a cute moment. I, I, don't, uh, I don't think it should not be in the movie or anything like that. But it's just another example of terrible thing happens. Oh, well, here's a cute way out of it. Yeah, I, I don't think I realized that we disagreed this much about these movies. But, yeah, I, I do just want to kind of give my glowing, gushing review, reviews on him as a filmmaker real quick before we kind of close this out. Well, I have, I have one more uh, shithouse thought. Um, well, you go with your shithouse thought first. Okay, this is full-on spoiler. Do not listen to this. I do not want... I think we're going to have to do a disclaimer at the beginning of this um, um, uh, thing. Um, uh, do not listen to this without seeing shithouse for the following moment. When he is down in the dumps and it's gone horribly with the girl whose name I've, you said five seconds. Maggie. Maggie, thank you, of course. Um, it's gone horribly with Maggie and he's feeling alone and he's broken down on the phone with his mom and he just kind of feels like he's the only person on the planet. And he's playing basketball and he's at this, this blacktop court and he just sucks he just misses every shot because life is terrible and he's like never even close. And then his dad walks in the frame. And they, his deceased father. established at this point that his dad passed away. They never introduce him. Never, they don't speak. No. He just comes into the frame. He just kind of walks in and... Tosses him the ball. And tosses him the ball. And he's played by his real life father. And they just have this moment where... Cooper misses like four shots in a row and maybe he makes one or two, but he just stinks. And his dad just gets the ball from every time and keeps passing it back to him. And it is this beautiful moment. And I think it's the moment that really secures the movie for me where number one, the guy, the balls that it takes to do that. Okay. It's an incredibly realistic film um, up until that point. I think that's one of the the strong suits of it is that it's so realistic. Everybody's been in many, if not all of these situations at some point in time when they were in college. And so to all of a sudden just have like 
ghost dad who we've never established before with like five minutes left in the movie is like insane filmmaking guts but it works so perfectly because that's exactly what it feels like when someone that you love passes away and you just sort of like will their existence around you whenever you need them and they're just there you can't talk to them because they're not actually there and you can't get advice from them because they're not actually there but they're just kind of there with you and you can kind of just feel better from their presence and that is something i've never seen in a movie before and to do that in your first feature-length film is insane to even attempt it is insane to pull it off to pull, pull it off excuse me is borderline impossible and there's no visual effects either like ghost no, dad is not slightly shot. translucent it's well i think it's two shots so they play and then it cuts to him crying on the blacktop oh, and right. ghost dad holding him so right. it's two shots and um and uh yeah and so he's just another person i mean he's it's just like literally a, a shot on a camera and it's just his dad playing basketball with him as ghost dad and it's just like it is unbelievable how they managed to so clearly establish that moment and paint such a perfect portrait of that feeling without doing anything to break reality. And like that moment alone, like rides out the last five, 10 minutes of the movie that don't aren't really justified and don't really make any sense solely because that moment is so perfect. And um, I've never, like I said, I've never seen something like that in a movie before. And it's kind of insane that he pulls it off and I think that that shows the thing that I really do like about him as a filmmaker, which is he just understands feelings. And he, like, knows what it means to be sad without sad being, like, trauma. And, like, obviously there are traumatic moments in both films. Characters experience things that, you know, sort of forever um, change the course of their lives. But it's not trauma porn in this, you know, like this big thing happens that shocks everyone in the middle of the movie and, and nothing is shocking and nothing is disgusting and, and nothing is just sort of random and unearned and there's no moment where there's no moment where somebody just gets killed or somebody just gets assaulted or something, right? It doesn't need that. There's just that kind of sadness that's just like regular everyday sadness where like Sometimes even though you do have connections with people, you just feel lonely. And sometimes even though um, you don't have to think about your dad every day, or of course you think about your dad every day, but you don't have to have your dad there all the time. He can be there when you need him and you can will him into existence, you know? And it's like that kind of sadness. And I don't know, I've talked a lot on our website and on podcasts before about... Um, how my grandmother passing away last December has kind of like brought back a lot of these kind of feelings for me and stuff. And I've like experienced things like that recently. And so to like capture that on film is insane. It's insane. And I don't think that's something that um, you can take lightly. I think because he gets that to such a high degree, I'm being nitpicky about other moments you know, because he is like so perfectly understands the spectrum of sadness and loneliness and happiness and joy and romance and whatever else and friendship and being a big brother and being a son. And 
and um, that I'm going to be hard on him when I think stuff is not as good or the easy way out. Yeah, I think um, just to kind of like summarize my thoughts, I wrote the first time, I, I can't remember when it was, but one of the times that I watched the movies, I want to say, I think it was my first ever review for Shit House on Letterboxd. I said, Cooper Rafe just manages to make me feel things I've never felt before. And I don't mean that in like a funny, haha, he's so cute way. I feel like my Letterboxd reviews typically are, are of the comedic nature and of the maybe a little bit um, uh, horny nature. Uh, and so I, yeah, so I, I, but I mean that truly, truly, truly earnestly. Um, he manages, like Patrick was saying, he manages to tap into humanity, the joy, the sadness, the loneliness, the confusion, the life stages, whatever, with such conviction and such honesty that it, it forces you to kind of relive uh, your own moments and imagine the trajectory of your own life. Or maybe that's a unique experience, but I, I can't watch his movies without doing that um again and it, and it isn't just specific to to him and his characters i've said before i think that he really is the only person to play himself in these clearly somewhat biographical movies because um he just he couldn't direct that out of someone it is just so uniquely him um but it what's so special about it is it doesn't just extend to him he gets it out of Dakota Johnson, who I'm assuming Cooper Rafe himself has never been engaged and does not have an autistic daughter and does not, you know, um, you know, screw around with a young te teenage boy. Um, you know, he gets that out of Dakota Johnson. He gets that out of Leslie Mann, who I'm sure, you know, he's never been a mom to a teenage boy before. So, like, he gets these moments out of these people. And, like, it is one thing to have a mom that is very Leslie Mann-esque and um, pull from your inspiration and your moments, sure. But to be that in tune, to really just, he's clearly a person that just observes and um, makes note of, of these moments because he just is able to show them on film like no one else I have ever seen. Um, you know, the narrative of each movie is really always secondary to the 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 um like feeling arc the the character's internal arc and the arcs that we're seeing the feelings that we're seeing on screen are are not easy they're always big nuanced feelings and you can't do that without really strong writing to build those characters out we don't know their inner monologues. We don't know, even though Leslie Mann is unbelievably talented, if she is not written in such a way, we don't know, we can't fill in the blanks that I filled in earlier. We don't know what she's thinking in those moments where he's telling her about Barcelona. Um, and so he manages to just build out every character, no matter how small or how seemingly insignificant, um, with, with such a skill. And the fact that he's 26... And it feels like he has the life experience to support any character and any anything on film is just 
nothing short of extraordinary. And I'm just consistently blown away completely by his work. Um, I'm in awe of his ability. Um, it has really, like I said, it, it's really been life-changing for me, and it's really made me look at movies holistically very differently. Um, and my standards are much higher because um, I have seen what it is like to just be totally tapped into the human condition um, in, in such a, a beautiful medium for that. So let's talk a little bit about upcoming plans for this podcast. Um, well, do you quickly want to say upcoming plans for Cooper Rafe? I know he has some projects uh, oh, down the pipeline. Oh, like that mafia movie. Yeah, he's – so he's only had two features. They're the ones that we talked about. Um, but he does have some projects coming up that I just quickly want to say. He obviously had the short um, Madeline and Cooper. He also had another short um, called God, um, which I think is uh, not exactly – also a spiritual successor but it has to do with like brats in college etc so maybe something to watch i don't know if it's like on youtube or something um but yeah go on uh with the mafia movie yeah uh, yeah there's a connecticut crime family movie called the trashers which is in post-production and has um uh david harbour in it um and then there's also a movie called home is where the weed is which i know nothing about um, which is apparently currently filming. I don't know how updated that is considering um, all the strikes and stuff, um, but definitely some stuff on the horizon. Okay, so um, plans for this podcast. So we're going to keep doing two new bombshells. So if you've been listening to that, um, we're going to cover Love is Blind every Monday morning on this feed. Um, we also, like I said earlier, we do Halloween spooky double features on this pod where we come up with different themes and we each pick a movie um, unbeknownst to the other um, of what um, that film is. And we have kind of a a double feature and we see how well those two movies work together. Um, Last year we did Witches. We did, um, help me out here. We did Witches. We did Creatures. And we did vampires vampires yeah and we wanted to do a fourth we wanted to do um, what we called killers which kind of seemed more open-ended but we didn't get a chance to do it so we said okay we're going to save killers for next year so this year we're doing killers zombies and werewolves those are our three double features uh, we kind of figured three would be a good number so we're going to start with killers we have already unveiled our picks to each other because we didn't know if we were going to get a chance to do it on air. Uh, I also accidentally spoiled mine to Patrick a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you were just like, um, "We are we going to do Killers again this year?" While the movie that I had picked was on screen, because like when you're using like rotating ads. when you're using no, it's like when you're using Amazon Prime or whatever, and you like pause it, it'll be like, "Oh, like movies you may also like if you're watching this one." And I saw mine down there, and I was like, "Are we doing Killers?" <laughs> And you were also like, yeah, I just like Meryl Streep or something like that. And I was like, oh, you're doing Death Becomes Her, I guess. Um, so that's Taylor's pick. I want to read, as we did last year, the letterbox synopsis. Death Becomes Her, 1992, directed by Robert Zemeckis. Madeline is married to Ernest, who was once arch rival Helen's fiance. After recovering from a mental breakdown, Helen vows to kill Madeline and steal back Ernest. Unfortunately for everyone, the introduction of a magic potion causes things to be a great deal more complicated than a mere murder plot. Never seen it. Very excited. That is going to be the B feature of our double feature. We're going to go um, chronologically on this one. My film is a movie called Theater of Blood from 1973. 
a Shakespearean actor takes poetic revenge on the critics who denied him recognition. It's been on my watch list for a long time, and it's Vincent Price going through various Shakespearean deaths, um, and that seems like really can be fun, and so does Death Becomes Her. And so I'm hoping we're going to do this double feature soon. I think, once again, we might have programmed an accidental really good double feature. We're just so in sync. Um, so expect that episode next week. Um, this uh, double feature episode is dropping on a Wednesday, um, the last Wednesday of September. Um, that double feature is going to drop next Wednesday, the first Wednesday of October, and then we're going to do a couple of those. Um, so be sure to head over to our website, stay tuned with us, and uh, and keep abreast of everything that we're doing. That is FeaturePresentationVideo.com. It's the home of everything that we do. We're going full spooky next month, folks. Double features. Um, I'm doing my TLDR series. Um a bunch of different horror reviews, some new stuff, some old stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. Head over to FeaturePresentationVideo.com. You can put your email address, and we will send you everything that we do for free. It's all free, five days a week. Um, no paywall. You can if you want. Pay five bucks a month. You don't have to. Um, obviously, it would be um, a, a nice help to support the cause. But there are other ways to support us. You can sign up for our emails. Also, this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, if it's not on our website, your podcasting app of choice, Apple, Spotify, whatever that is, you can rate us five stars, leave us a nice review, hit that subscribe button. Those are all um, ways to support us that doesn't doesn't cost anything. You can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. You can find me on X at Mailer Talone. You can find me at Patrick J. Regal everywhere you find people online. The best place to find us is our website, FeaturePresentationVideo.com. We'll see you next week for our Killers double feature episode of Theater of Blood and Death Becomes Her. See you then.